Last week, tongues in the scriptures and uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the first area that we covered was the spirit birth or the personal rebirth, which is not a gift of the spirit. Uh, and so what we did was the spirit birth, when somebody says, I received the Holy Ghost, and I spoke in tongues, so I have the gift of tongues. That's not the gift of tongues, okay? That is the evidence. That is a sign. So the, I received the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see that the sign of receiving the Holy Spirit is you speak with tongues, right? Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. All right, does everybody have their snacks? Ron, Juan, do you have notes? Good, all right. So when they say, I received the Holy Ghost, so how do you know you received the Holy Ghost? You spoke in tongues. I'll show you scripture for that. But the spirit birth, Jesus talked about it, the first page, John 7, 37 through 39, he talked about it, and he said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which should they believe on him, should receive. Okay, so if you're a believer, you're aligned up to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. Then John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, and you need to mark these in your Bible because you don't want to carry all these papers around. Otherwise, you're, you're going to look like Pete's seat back there <laughs> that looks like a paper recycling factory. Okay, he's probably got notes from five years ago when we got here, when I was teaching. So mark it in your Bible. That's John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Actually, Jesus said, you, if you're going to get, if you want to... Uh, see the kingdom of heaven, you got to be born again, right? right? If you want to enter into it, you got to be born again. The Nicodemus said, how am I going to be born again? He said, water and spirit. So the spirit birth is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 17, Jesus, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. Okay? So one of the signs of a believer is they cast out devils. So I've been to church 65 years, and never, they never cast out devils. Maybe you're in the wrong church. Well, there we go. And they shall speak with new tongues. So that is the spirit birth. Page 2. The following scriptures are found in the book of Acts. It is the history of the early church. The actions of the apostles. The Jews on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Right? As the Spirit gave them utterance. Now some will argue and say, Well, that was just for the believer or that was just for the crowd that was there that day. It was just a translation of what they were saying. No. Okay? Because if that was the case, it would have stopped then. The Samaritans, Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Verse 17, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Cornelius, the first Gentile, Acts 10, 44. Verse 46 says, or 45, and they of the circumcision which believe were astonished as many that came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
How do they know they got the Holy Ghost? Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues. So that's how they knew that they had received the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, well, you know, when I received the Holy Spirit, I felt good. You can go get drunk and feel good for a while until it catches up with you. You can smoke marijuana and feel good. You can, get in a, you can get in a small house and get a paint sprayer and put the kills, the original kills, in the white and red can and just spray the floor, the ceilings, the walls, and no ventilation. And I guarantee you, your walls will spin. You'll come staggering out of there. I speak from experience. You've got to have ventilation. Proper ventilation is always good for that. I probably burned a million brain cells that's probably why we couldn't find the snack tonight, because I hid it in the back of the van. There you go. If I'd had those brain cells, the snack I'd have brought it in, wouldn't we? So they heard them speak in tongues, and then uh, the 12 Ephesian elders, Acts chapter 19, verses 5 through 7, and when Paul laid his hands upon them, verse 6, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and, there, and all the men were about 12. So this is the, where the Ephesian church, you ever heard of the book of Ephesians? That is an epistle, that is a letter written to the Ephesian church. The Ephesian church was started by these 12 men who Paul encountered in Acts chapter 19. So the gospels put us in Christ, Acts put, or introduce us to Christ, the gospels put us in, Acts puts us in Christ. All the churches were born in the book of Acts. Okay? Every church in the New Testament that was established, that had a letter written to them, an epistle, was founded in the book of Acts. The epistles are letters sent back to, of instruction to each of these churches. The church at Rome was founded by Paul, okay? And so when he sent letters, we have the book of Romans. And the big, the major theme of the book of Romans was Paul was talking to the Jews who were in Rome that they need to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's why he said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. What was he trying to tell them? I'm trying to tell you, you have to believe in the Messiahship of Jesus Christ. The book of First and Second Corinthians, those are two letters there. They are written to the church at Corinth, which is Greece. The church of Thessalon Thessalonica, which is the modern city of Thessaloniki. I've been there. All right? It was founded. It's in the northern part of Greece. Paul was sending letters back to them. So you see how that all works together. So then, that is the book of Acts. So we've established that a sign and the sign for receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost was tongues. What we are talking about today and what we talked about last week is we were talking about how tongues are used in the church as the gifts of the Spirit. Now, you cannot have the gifts of the Spirit if you don't have the Spirit. Because the gifts of the Spirit come out of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Right? That's like saying you got chocolate chip cookies but you don't have any chocolate chips. Come on. By, and uh, of course we all know that there is no other cookie in the world than the chocolate chip cookie. 
No nuts. My mom always put nuts in them. I don't know why she did. But. Now, the, the, come on, Dustin, let's see how you do. Give her that bottle. Now, some of you have probably encountered, and like I said last week, this, uh, this Bible study came off of one of the questions that was asked. And here's one of the problems. Here's the, one of the problems here. Somebody says, okay, Paul says in Corinthians, you say, well, I got the Holy Ghost, I spoke in tongues. And then you meet your, your great uncle who's a deacon in the church somewhere, and you tell him that you've received the Holy Ghost and you spoke in tongues, and then they say, okay, but is there an interpreter? You ever had that come up? Come that? That's just a big old fat meatball. Because if you got a handle on, on Corinthians, all it is, man, you're, just, you're ready to knock it out of the park. But a lot of times we don't have a handle on Corinthians. So they say, well, if there's no interpreter, Paul said you shouldn't say it then. You shouldn't speak in tongues. No tongue talking in the church because there's no interpreter. And you're just a new babe in Christ and you're all excited and you go, okay. But give him my number. Tell him to come on down. All right? But after this week, we're going to get, equip you, and here's what's going to happen. And what happened tonight, Kevin, is awesome. Okay? The reason it's awesome is I'm going to launch right off of this thing into what happened tonight. So you've got to remember something. Jesus came. John said, He that cometh after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Then he says, Jesus says, these signs shall follow them and believe. They'll cast out devils and they'll speak with new tongues. Jesus actually said the word tongues. Okay? So Jesus is talking about tongues here. He says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Acts chapter 2, they received the Holy Ghost. So now the disciples who have walked with Jesus for three and a half years, three, three and a half years, are now full of the Holy Ghost and they're starting to preach and they're starting to teach and there's churches being born. First Corinthians is a letter written to a church. It is to instruct them on how to handle tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. Not just tongues, but the gifts of the Spirit in the church. Because the purpose is we want to edify the whole body the whole church in 1 Corinthians. But when I'm in here by myself on a Monday morning or a Thursday morning and I'm walking in the dark, I'm edifying myself. Okay? So we've got to, and the problem is this. Most people say, associate with, oh, there's no interpreter, so don't, you're not supposed to talk in tongues in church because there's no interpreter. No, you're not understanding. We're going to understand this tonight. Are you ready to go? 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Page number 6, right? Huh? Now, another thing that we have to remember is the gifts of the Spirit are part of the body. Everybody, and they're part of the body as such as God is equipping us with these gifts. When we come into church, some of us are going to have a doctrine, a new doctrine. We're going to, a new doctrine, uh, we're going to have a revelation. 
Somebody's going to read a scripture. Stephanie's going to read a scripture, and she's going to come to church, and she's going to say, Pastor, I read this scripture, and, and this is what the Lord showed me. And you know what? We're going to build on that. That's, hey, that's awesome. All right? I get texts from Dave Glenn, long text. And I say, Dave, do you speak those? And he said, no, I type them. Lord, have mercy. Okay. But he will pull out a scripture or he'll pull out something in the, in the Bible about the difference between David's process and Joseph's process. What is that? That's a revelation. So we come with a revelation. Some of us come with a song and a psalm. Some of us come with, with encouragement. And what are we doing? We are edifying each other. That doesn't cancel out what I have to do personally. Personally, I have to build up my faith through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. All right? So let's... And, and there's, no, there's no gift that's any greater than another except for the fact of the way it's used. Covet to prophesy, right? Is that what he said? And forbid not to speak with tongues. Why? Because if, if I sit here and speak to you, what's that language in the Philippines, Pete? I know I asked you too fast. Who? Yeah, if I sit here and do Tagala for the next 45 minutes, you know what? By the time it's all sundown, we're going to be looking at justice. Tagalog, whatever it is. If I do that, if I, you know what, we're not going to get anything out of this. But if I speak 45 minutes with something that you understand, we're going to get some things accomplished. We're going to learn some things. That's what Paul was saying. Okay? What we've done is people want to discredit the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues to the point is we don't want to do that. Paul said, do not forbid speaking in tongues. He said, I want you to speak in tongues. Paul said, I speak with tongues more than all of you. Verse number 1, 1 Corinthians 14. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments, the gifts, especially that you may prophesy, interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. For one who is who speaks in an unknown tongue, speaks not to men, but to God. For no man understands or catches his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. But on the other hand, the one who prophesies, or who interprets the divine will and purpose and inspired preaching and teaching, speaks to men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. Verse 4. I want you to pay attention to this verse. He who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself. That's what we're supposed to do with it. Didn't say don't do it. What it said is, he edifies, he builds up, he strengthens, he solidifies his gains and improves himself. But he who prophesies, that interprets the divine will and purpose and preach and teaching with inspiration, edifies and improves the church. That is the book, the purpose of this book. First Corinthians, it is to edify the body. But when I'm by myself, I'm speaking in tongues, I'm strengthening myself. 
I don't have to stop speaking in tongues when I come to church because I have ample opportunity to speak in tongues as I'm building up my faith during a service. My worship service, I can praise him. Lord, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to God. And you know what? While I'm praising, I can take off in the tongues of men and angels if I want to. What am I doing? I'm edifying myself. So Paul was saying here, our, our purpose is to edify the body, but when a man speaks in tongues, he edifies and improves himself. The one who speaks and prophesies edifies and improves the church and promotes growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. All right, let's look at the next page. Now, I wish that you might all speak in unknown tongues. Did he just say that? Did he say, I would that all of you spoke in tongues, but rather that you prophesied? So, great uncle Bill Platter, Bill and Edna Platter, Sounds like a fictitious family, doesn't it? They existed. They lived in Salisbury, Pennsylvania. Yes. Yep. They would come visit my grandfather. And they were quite a... You just had to see a picture of them. Bill chewed tobacco. You knew that because it dribbled out of the side of his mouth the whole time he was there. Now, he never spit, so I don't know where it went. Some of it went down his... Here, but the rest of it, I have an idea where it went now that I'm older and understand anatomy. So, great uncle Bill says, okay, now Paul is saying here, he'd rather that you prophesied. But, uncle Bill, he did not say stop speaking in tongues. He said, I would that you all, or I wish all of you spoke in tongues. Doesn't that mean that? I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but I want you to also prophesy. The reason he wants us to prophesy, let's go on here. I want you to prophesy to be inspired to preach and interpret the divine will and purpose. He who prophesies, who is inspired to preach and teach, is greater. Why is he greater? He's more useful and more important than he who speaks in unknown tongues. Why? Because if I'm speaking in an unknown tongue, I'm just helping myself. But if I'm prophesying, which basically is what I'm doing now, I'm helping everybody. Right? Give a man a fish, you fed him for a day. Teach him to fish. Has anybody ever heard that? You fed him for a lifetime. So the problem is we are all excited because we get the baptism of the Holy Ghost in our lives. We get Jesus in our lives. It is awesome. We're on fire. We want to go see Uncle Bill and Aunt Edna. We walk in there and say, guess what happened to me at church last week? Oh, I got the Holy Ghost. Oh, how you know? How you know you got the Holy Ghost? How you know you got the Holy Ghost, Tracy? I spoke in tongues. Oh, was there an interpreter? Was there an interpreter there? No. 
Well, you shouldn't speak in tongues at church. That's exactly what they tell us. Don't they? Uh Uh-huh. But what they're doing is they're not rightly dividing the word. They've got to look at the word. Paul did not say, don't speak in tongues. He said, when you prophesy, then you are strengthening the whole body. Unless he should interpret what he says so that the church may be edified and receive good from it. Now, that's where I want to get to what happened here a little earlier tonight. Kevin gave a message in tongues. All right? There are times when I have the ability to give the interpretation to what he says. Uh, This is going to open up a whole other can of worms. Now, somebody want to know how that happens? Nobody wants to know? All right, we'll just keep on going then. Forget it. Nope, you had your chance. I'm packing up my toys and I'm going home. Hallelujah. How do you interpret that? All right, I'm going to tell you because I'm nice tonight. I eat your snack. I feel bad. All right? I, there's several different ways that an interpretation comes. Number one, a message in tongues goes forth and um, a scripture may pop into my mind. I mean from out of nowhere. Or I may have a thought. I may see the whole thought, of the whole paragraph in words, just like I was reading a book. Or I may have one line, okay? Or I may see a picture in my mind. Years ago, 1993, 1993 I believe it was, I gave a prophecy. I'll never forget what the prophecy was. There was a, a message in tongues that went forth. It was during a church service. And I saw actually in, in my mind, I had my eyes closed, but in my mind I saw wheels being taken off of chariots as they were going through the Red Sea. Okay? So when the tongues was over, we waited for a minute, and the Lord said, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. I can't. <laughs> Scared. What happens if I mess up? Listen, if we mess up, God, is, is there such a thing as grace and mercy? All right, last week you heard the Russians were coming, right? Remember that? God gave a prophecy. Yea, I verily say to thee, the Russians are coming. They're still not here. All right, but they may come sooner or later. So I started saying, as... As the angels took off the wheels of Pharaoh's chariots. That's all I had. And I began to speak. And when that came out, the rest of the words came out. Do you know when you're talking and you're saying stuff and you don't even realize what's coming out of your mouth? All right? But I was, that was an unction, a moving of the Spirit of God in my life and I gave that prophecy. And the part of that prophecy was, and all those who have risen up against you in judgment, I am bringing judgment to them. I won't get into a lot of detail. Most of you don't know the story. But there was a person who spoke against that church in that area, and within two weeks, that person fell over dead with a heart attack. 
Now, when I was given the interpretation, I didn't think about anybody falling over with a heart attack. Right? I'm just saying what the interpretation that came to me was. Sometimes one guy said that he saw, the very first time he gave an interpretation, he saw a palm tree blowing in the wind. So the message in tongues went forth and there was silence. And then he sees this palm tree in his mind's eye. And he says, yeah, as the palm tree blows in the wind. And he's going all through there. And this was his first time giving an interpretation. And in the middle of it, he got so excited that the Lord was using him, he lost the interpretation. Yeah. And guess what? He's a famous evangelist. Travels all over the world. God's not going to kill you if you make a mistake. Was it a mistake for Kevin tonight to give the tongues? No. All right? There are times when I have, when I can move in and, 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 and flow in the Spirit and get the interpretation. Tonight I couldn't find it. And I'm like, well, Lord, okay, maybe this is going to be a good lesson tonight. Pete? That's what I think too. Scared, scaredy cats. Now, when I was an evangelist, when I was an evangelist and I was doing meetings just about every night of the week, I'd say to Amy, I said, we'd be driving to church. I'd say, going to be tongues, interpretation, gifts of spirit tonight, even before we got there. I was invited to preach. Uh, this pastor wanted me to come preach one message, one sermon, one service. We're driving. It was about 40 minutes from where we were at. And I said, this is not a... This one's going to go from five to six weeks. It was a six-week revival. I said, they're just wanting one night. I said, this is going to be a long time. And I don't know, 30 or 40 got the Holy Ghost, and it was crazy. All right, but, but what I'm saying is this. The gifts of the Spirit, you will learn how to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. All right? So what Paul was saying here was, if you speak in an unknown tongue, unless we interpret the tongue... This church doesn't receive any strength from it. Right? How strong did you... The only thing you got from Kevin's tonight was the hair on the back of your head when... Wah! Right? Because I mean it's... Wah! Bang! Whoa! Hallelujah! Okay. So... Alright. So Kevin's not wrong. But yet, since there was no interpretation, which if I could have got in there or whoever has holding on to it, now, does that mean you're going to die and go to hell because you didn't give the interpretation because you're scared? No. We have his mercies are new every morning. Right? He understands that you're in your flesh and you're going to try to get in the flow of the Spirit. And sometimes it's very hard. Sometimes it's very, very hard. I was in one service, and I had nothing to do in this service. I had no part in it. It was a church of about 600 people. I had no part in the worship service. I had nothing to do, and I was just enjoying the evening, and a word of prophecy came on me. Now, a word of prophecy is basically it's a spiritual utterance from the Lord. And I had the word, and the word was, my river is flowing through this place tonight. If you need healing, come get in my river. If you need salvation, come get... I had the whole deal. But I have, no, I have no control of the service. I have no part in it. I'm not going to go up and tap the lead pastor and say, Oh, I got a, I got a prophecy. 
Praise God. I got a prophecy. Hallelujah. I want to lay it on this church. Uh-uh. This is what I did. I said, hey, you know what, Lord? You're big enough to do this. If this is really from you, let him, the lead pastor, turn around and say, give that word that the Lord has given you. And you know what? If he doesn't, I'm going to go eat pizza after this at, at Pizza Hut, and I'm just going to fill my container up and go home and go to bed on it. And so the service is going on, and man, this thing is eating me up. I'm like, oh man, wow. And in the middle of the service, the lead pastor says, give us that word that the Lord has given you. And hands me the microphone. Whoa. I'm like, hey, hallelujah. Yeah. This thing does work. Amen. You see, but you can flow like that. But this is not, this is not your new birth. This is now edifying the church. And that's what Corinthians is all about. So Uncle Bill, who's got the tobacco juice slipping down his cheek there, all right, he says, if it ain't no interpretation, you shouldn't be speaking it. He's wrong. Because he says here, unless the tongue is interpreted, the church is not going to be edified. Why? Because what they're dealing with in Corinthians is body edification. All right, does that make enough sense? Now, verse 6. Brethren, if I come to you speaking in unknown tongues, how shall I make it to your advantage unless I speak to you either in revelation, disclosure, disclosure of God's will to man, in knowledge or in prophecy or in instruction? Even if an inanimate musical instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone listening know or understand what is played? At, and if the war bugle gives an uncertain, indistinct call, who will prepare for battle? Just so it is with you. If you, in the unknown tongue, speak words that are not intelligible, how will anyone understand what you are saying? For you will be talking into empty space. That makes sense, right? And the mouse said yes. Yeah. There are, I suppose, all these many to us tongues in the world somewhere, and none is destitute of its own power of expression and meaning. So what he is saying is, these tongues are all over the world. Now, what kind of tongues do you speak? I don't know. You speak unknown tongues, the tongues of men and of angels, the Bible claims. There are times when you will speak in languages that other nationalities will understand. I gave you a couple examples of that last week. There will be times when you will speak languages that have never hit this earth. Because this is a heavenly experience. Right? Are you all okay out there? Y'all just, just like... All right. Okay. So there's lots of tongues out there. Verse 11. But if I do not know the force and significance of the speech or the language, I shall seem to be a foreigner to the one who speaks to me. And to the speaker who addresses me will seem to be a foreigner to me. So it is with yourselves, since you are so eager and ambitious to possess spiritual endowments and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, concentrate on striving to excel and to abound in them in ways that will build up the church. 
Therefore, the person who speaks in an unknown tongue should pray for the power to interpret and explain what he says. Verse 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive, it bears no fruit and helps nobody. So, if I am in a, in, in a uh, situation, and I talked about this, if I'm walking through here, and I'm praying, and it's all dark, and I'm just going through here, I'm going to spend a lot of time speaking in tongues. You know why? Because none of you are in here. Now, if you come in here and you sit and you watch me walk around these pews and circles, and you hear me speaking in tongues, I told Rob tonight, I said, when they come up there and just lace out a little bit of profanity, just turn around and say, well, and just hit them with a barrage of tongues for a while. They'll think you're crazy and turn and walk away. All right? But if I do, this, if I do my prayer walk in here tonight and speak 95% tongues, you're just going to look at me and say, I bet he's going to get his 10,000 steps in today. It's not going to do anybody any good. Except me. Same thing with all of you. Okay? So it doesn't help anybody. Verse 15. Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. So guess what? As a believer, as a Holy Ghost-filled believer, you have the option to pray in English, which you understand, or to pray in tongues, which you do not understand. Well, Brother Tracy, what am I saying when I'm speaking in tongues? We'll cover that on the last page. Don't anybody look there. Kevin's probably already read that. The last page already. All right. You also have the ability to sing in your uh, in English, your own language, and to sing in tongues if you so prefer. You have this ability. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is you guys and gals, you are not second-class citizens. You are actually you have dual citizenship. You have citizenship on earth, but you are citizens of the kingdom which is to come. And so the devil wants you to think that you're a nobody, that you're not going to succeed in God, you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that. Guess what? You have dual citizenship. And actually, devil, I have something over you because I've been forgiven and filled. You're never going to be forgiven and filled. While I'm going up, you're going down. So you've got this dual citizenship that is going in here. Now, verse 16, Otherwise... If you bless and render thanks for your spirit with your spirit, thoroughly aroused by the Holy Spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider or he who is not gifted with the interpreting of the unknown tongues say amen to your thanksgiving since he does not know what you are saying? How will you know if I walk around here for an hour speaking in tongues what I'm saying? You don't know if I'm quoting the, the baseball scores from last night? You don't know if I'm commanding angels in Ghana, Africa right now in the spirit realm? Are you seeing what I'm saying? You don't know. And so Paul 
is saying here what we are concentrating on is the building up of the body. And so the devil uses Uncle Bill and Aunt Edna to try to discredit the gift of the Holy Ghost that's been put inside of us. And the devil's a liar. And Uncle Bill and Aunt Edna, they probably mean well, you know, they don't want you to get caught up in wildfire or anything. But guess what? Jesus talked about this. The apostles got the Holy Ghost. Peter did. Paul did. Stephen had it. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Verse 17, to be sure, you may give thanks well nobly, but by the bystander is not edified, it does him no good. Watch this. Verse 18, here's the one that you need to tell Uncle Bill. Uncle Bill, but what about verse 18? I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you or all of you put together. Paul was saying, do you think that you're a Holy Ghost tongue-talking machine? I can outdo you. Now, everybody in the Christian world, the Christ Christendom, um, ad admires and, uh, and highly esteems the Apostle Paul, St. Paul. And St. Paul just declared he was a tongue talker. So the next time you drive by St. Paul's Lutheran Church, roll down your window and say, Did you know Paul was a tongue talker? You know, Paul spoke in tongues. So verse 18, Paul is saying here, look, I want the whole body strengthened, but I also want you to stay strong too because guess what? If I'm, if, if, if I'm not strong, how can I help you? Right? We're back in a presidential political deal. We're going to hear, we hear all from one side, the filthy rich people, all the big banks. They're going to take all the bank's money and give it to the poor and give you free college and free education and everything else. And it's all going to be great. Right? I have never got a job from a poor guy. And I never will. If I'm broke, how can I help you get unbroke? I can't. If I'm not strong spiritually, how can I help you spiritually? You see? So Paul is doing a dual thing here. He's saying, I want you to stay spiritual. I want you to speak in tongues. And let me encourage you, try to outdo me. And at the same time, this whole letter that I'm sending you, I want everybody in the church to be strengthened. All right. Any questions so far? We good? Going once, going twice. All right, good. Verse 19. Nevertheless, in public worship, 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 that's how we say it out in D.C., worship. Nevertheless, in public worship, I would rather say five words with my understanding and intelligently in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a strange tongue or language. Now, why did he put that verse Right after the one he said, I spoke in tongues. Because he's taking us back to the whole theme of the letter. I'm a tongue talker. I'm a, I'm a bad tongue talker. Every adjective you can think of that makes me the baddest tongue talker in the world, I am. Now, I'd rather speak 
five words in English so you understand than 10,000 in tongues that you don't get nothing out of because I want you strong. He wasn't saying, don't do it. See, Paul said he wants five words in your understanding because that's better than 10,000. Yeah, but put it in the context of the Scripture. Verse 20, Brethren, do not be children immature in thinking. Continue to be babes in matter of evil in your minds. Be mature men. It is written by law, by men of strange languages and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people and not even then they will listen to me, says the Lord. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. Thus, verse 22, tongues are meant for a supernatural sign. I'll never forget I was a sophomore in high school. I received the Holy Ghost between my freshman and sophomore year. I'm in English class, and I don't know what happened. Probably it was my fault. I was rude. I was mouthy when I was a kid. I didn't get my mouth slapped very much like my brother did, but I was mouthy. So this girl, her name was Karen Martin. She's a friend of ours on Facebook. She was a Methodist, and she said, you're not supposed to speak in tongues. I said, really? How's that? Bible says so. Well, that's it really. Ain't that something? I didn't know that line yet. That came later in life. Ain't that something? Hmm. That was my father-in-law's line. Ain't that something? And then when he playing cards, he said, I'm going to show you how the cat ate the cabbage. You ever seen a cat eat cabbage? I haven't either. Now, she says, I'll find that scripture and I'll, tell you, I'll show you. You're not supposed to speak in tongues. Really? It was 1 Corinthians 14, 22. And she said, Thus tongues are meant for a supernatural sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. On the point of believing, while prophecy, inspired preaching and teaching, interpreting divine will and purpose, is not for unbelievers, but for the believers. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So I took this home to my brother, because he was a preacher and he knew everything. Right? At least I thought he did. I said, well, what is this verse four, this 1422 here? Okay, so tongues are meant for a supernatural sign. Tongues aren't for the believer. They're for the unbeliever. Because if there's 40 people in this room and somebody's here that doesn't have the Holy Spirit and they receive it and they start speaking with tongues, the other 39 of us aren't going to be moved by it because we already believe. That's just God standard operating procedure. But if there's somebody in here that's an unbeliever and they're going, what? What's happening to them? That's a sign of them receiving the Holy Spirit. So the sign of tongues isn't for us believers. We're already there. It's for the unbeliever. It's for the unbeliever there. I went back to her and I said, Karen, and I explained to her, I said, you know what? The signs aren't for me. The tongues aren't for me. The tongues are for you. Because right now you're the unbeliever in this situation. And then Paul goes on to say this. 
In the middle of it, he says, while prophecy, I want to skip the parentheses, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. Does that make sense? The prophecy is for the believers, so we know what we're doing in our walk with the Lord. Make sense? Therefore, if the whole church assembles and all of you speak in unknown tongues and the ungifted and uninitiated or unbelievers come in, will they not say that all of you are demented? Yeah, they do that anyway. We don't speak in tongues hardly any and they still think we're crazy. The only problem is that they've missed about a billion people in the world. Because there's just about a billion people in the world that practice speaking in tongues. That's one out of seven. So you're not in too bad a company. Okay, so then he says, here we go. Everybody's in here speaking in tongues. You walk into Family Worship Center, and guess what? I stood at Family Worship Center for two hours, from 10 until 12 one Sunday, and there was 120 people in there, and every one of them spoke in tongues, and I didn't, un they were crazy. They're nuts. True that. All right. But, that's what they're going to think, because all they're hearing is all this tongue talking. Now, we understand that we're edifying ourselves in the Spirit. We understand that. But Paul says, But if all prophesy, verse 24, and, a, and an unbeliever or untaught outsider comes in, he is told of his sin and reproved and convicted and convinced by all, and his defects and needs are examined, and he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are laid bare, and so Falling on his face, he will worship God, declaring that God is among you in very truth. That's what he's trying to say. I want the church service, when you gather together, I want you to be an instrument of conviction, an instrument of power, an instrument of worship, an instrument of praise. That's what the church is here for. So if somebody comes in and they're an unbeliever, and guess what? The power of the Lord is moving. Guess what? The preacher's preaching. Someone's going to go over and encourage them. They're feeling convicted in their heart. Boom. God gives them the power of the Holy Ghost in their lives. They repent of their sins. They make a decision to, to follow the Lord all the days of their life. That's what he's talking about here. I was thinking about this lesson today, and uh, one of the... One of the great arguments I like to hear today is from people who do not go to church. I just thought about this, so I'm going to share it with you. Remember we talked about the body last week? There's many members in the body. Ears, eyes, hands, feet, spleens, kidneys, whatever. All right. These people don't go to church because they watch Jimmy Swigert, they watch G.D. Jakes, they watch John Hagee. You know, I've been heard in church, and you don't have to go to church, and I can be saved and not go to church. But guess what? You're not part of a body. You're not part of a functioning, moving, living body. That's why I've been saying, you want to grow in the kingdom? Get to church. 
get involved, interact. All right, so let's look here at the order of worship. Let's look here. We got about 10, uh, they may come back late from the, why? I don't know. We'll just keep you till about 10 o'clock. We'll keep you till somebody falls out the window and breaks your neck, and then we'll have a healing service. All right, the order of worship, verse 26. What Paul's going to do here is he's going to begin to give instruction on how the church service operates. What then, brethren, is the right course? When you meet together, each one of you has a hymn, a teaching, a disclosure of a special knowledge or information, an utterance in a strange tongue or an interpretation of it, but let everything be constructive, constructive and edifying and for the good of all. There's the theme again. We're going back to building the body. If some speak in a strange tongue, let the number be limited to two or at the most three, and each one taking his turn, and let one interpret and explain what is said. All right, that's what happened here tonight. Okay? I try to, whenever on a Sunday morning or whatever, whenever the gifts of the Spirit roll through here like this, I try to explain what you just saw was 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Because we have people that come from various denominations and different style churches. Believe me, not every church is like this. Okay? This church, this is, I mean, this sometimes like a rock concert. All right? I've been in church services where in, I've been standing beside somebody and in order to tell them something in the middle of church, you've got to yell. Now, can you do that in other churches? No. All right? You can hear a, a hair drop out of somebody's head in other churches. So what he's saying here now, if somebody speaks in an unknown tongue, let it be limited to two or three. Now, that does not mean corporately as in worship and prayer when I am just talking to the Lord. When there's a message in tongues, it will become a dominant tongue in the service. It will become louder and more powerful than all of the rest of the tongues. Okay? If God can make Niagara Falls, He can give somebody the ability to shut down a service with a message in tongues. Right? What we have here is, tonight, Kevin gave a message in tongues, and... Verse 28, but if there be no one, if there is no one there to do the interpreting, let each one of them keep still in church and talk to himself and to God. So what he's saying here is this, if someone gives a message in tongues and there's no interpretation, then somebody else across the room gives a message in tongues and there's no interpretation. Then if someone else gives a message in tongues and there's no interpretation, shut her down. All right? No more tongues out loud publicly like that. Just, just pray to yourself. Shut the, door, shut the lights out, lock the doors, go home. No, didn't say that. Okay? What's he doing here? Otherwise, if Paul wouldn't have wrote this down, I would say that there could be church services where you've got 32 messages in tongues and everybody's going to be, sooner or later, somebody's going to get out of their flat, in their flesh because they want to have a prettier and a better tongue than somebody else did. Do you know in Ireland, when they, when they prophesy in Ireland, they sing their prophecies. These are the days of Elijah. You ever heard that song? That was actually a prophecy 
that they put in song in Ireland. Okay? So, what we have here is this is the order of the service. Is it wrong that Kevin gave a message and there was no interpretation? No. So there was no interpretation. So then Pete, he goes, he feels the unction and the moving of the Spirit in his life, and he gives a message in tongues. And there's still no interpretation. And then Dave, Dave feels the unction of moving. Tongues, no interpretation. Tongues, no interpretation. Tongues, no interpretation. Paul said, okay, there's no interpretation. Let it go. Let's just build up ourselves and explain. Verse 29, so let two or three prophets speak, those inspired to preach and teach, while the rest pay attention and weigh and discern what is said. But if an inspired revelation comes to another who is sitting by, then let the first one be silent. So now he's not dealing with just the gift of tongues. He's dealing with prophecy as well. What is the gift of prophecy? I like to say prophecy is kind of like an interpretation without the tongues. Okay? Prophecy is a, is a, 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 a spiritual utterance that is given. Okay? What I, I explained to you when I, I felt that to not, you know, get in the river and I didn't have anything to do with the worship service. And then I said, Lord, if you want this to happen, let it happen. And, and they gave me the worship service and that came, that was a prophecy. Pro we, could, we could be having a worship service here and right in the middle of the worship service, I could walk up and say, everybody, this is what the Lord's saying right now. Blah, 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 blah. But there was no tongue. So is it wrong? No, it's a prophecy. So you have tongues, and you have the interpretation of tongues, and then you have prophecy. These are the three vocal gifts of the gifts of the Spirit that God uses to edify the church body during a church meeting. Does that make sense? There's also then three power gifts that God uses during a church meeting and during a, a gathering, and that would be the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, it's the gifts of healing, not the gift of healing, the gifts of healing, and the working of miracles. And you say, so what is the difference in those? Uh, what's the difference in a healing and a miracle? Healing is gradual, a miracle is boom. Kind of imagine healing like a tree that you cut down. You cut the tree down and for days the leaves are still pretty and green. But that baby is disconnected from its stump. And shortly, the symptoms of the dead tree begin to show up. A healing is the same way. The symptoms may still be there, but with time, the healing will come. Somebody, somebody needs healing. They go to the doctor. All right, they get prayed for. They go to the doctor, and the doctor says, Well, you don't have as many spots on your liver as you did. And you go back the next time, you don't have any spots on your liver. All right? Or you may be in a situation where uh, God just instantly heals whatever. And you go to the doctor and it's gone. Like Sister Peggy, she had a, a small brain tumor at the base of her brain. She was laying on the floor here. <laughs> Did she get the Holy Ghost? She's laying in the... She already had the Holy Ghost. She's laying in the center aisle... 
2011, she, during revival, she's laying in the center aisle, and God touched her and healed her, and she couldn't even work. Now she works so much, she's, you hardly ever see her. And she had a, a small tumor that God instantly took away. All right? So those are the three power gifts. So you have three power gifts, you have three vocal gifts, and then you have three gifts of knowledge. Okay? You have the word of wisdom, you have the word of knowledge, right? And you have discerning the spirits, okay? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Prophet Tom operates in the word of knowledge, okay? Word of wisdom is the gift that instructs and tells you how to use the word of knowledge that you're in. Okay, so you got those three gifts. So those are the nine basic gifts that are operating in the spirit during a church service. I said last week, and I'm closing, I said last week there's 27 spiritual gifts that we can find in Scripture. All right, you have the gifts of helps, service, mercy, administration, uh, poverty. Some people do poverty. I don't want to do anything with like that. I'd rather just stay like well, I am, okay? So, okay, we're going to pick back up on that next time in the order of worship. Let's stand.